0: This is Ham College, Episode 26 for February 28, 2017. This episode of Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM has an array of radios to help you communicate and listen all year long, no matter where the year may take you. And by hamstudy.org, a great place to study for your next ham exam. Good evening welcome to another episode of ham college i'm george i'm tommy and we're going to talk all about getting your amateur radio technician license tonight well not all about it but a lot but some more about it some more about it and there's there's some things you're going to need to know about that require some gauges and instruments to measure we're going to be talking about that tonight
1: yeah this is going to be uh this is necessary stuff that every new ham
0: needs to, to know. hmm Some of this stuff you don't even have. And how many years has that I, I have? You know
1: what? I have the ones that I need. You don't have to have everything
0: on here. No. No, you don't. But we'll we'll go get into it later. Okay. Uh you know, anytime we're doing a show live, we're streaming. We've also got a chat room going on, amateurlogic.tv slash chat. What did we talk about last month, Tommy? I bet you don't even remember, Yeah, last
1: Yeah, last month we talked about uh, coax cables and various assorted things like that, SWR. Uh, Kind of a little bit of what we're talking about this month.
0: Antennas and coax, that's what Mm -hmm. you said, right? Half of what I said. We didn't get it all said last time around.
1: Well, there's a lot to say about it.
0: Yeah. We're also going to be talking about SWR, and we're going to do some demonstrations, and we're going to talk a little bit about dummy loads yeah not a lot so we'll have a little lab session there we're going to talk about this thing right here we uh yeah we're going to talk about that i mean that's a good one isn't it, it yeah i bought that one at a ham fest did you Mm-hmm.
1: 100 years
0: ago cool i don't remember what i paid for it it wasn't it was a good price. It wasn't a giveaway. This should price, be a fun though. episode.
1: That's some yeah, cool, I think cool it will toys be. here.
0: Well, there's one thing I wanted to talk about before we really got into the show tonight, and that's some changes that the FC, uh, not the FCC, the ARRL is proposing on taking to the FCC. Yeah, they are discussing a new entry level license, and they've got a survey right now that they want you to go complete and let them know your thoughts on it. It's at ARRL.org license dash one. They're thinking maybe we need a new entry-level license or maybe some changes to the technician license. Why are they doing that, Tommy? What's you know-
2: well,
1: well, it says, I'm not sure I agree with all this, but their reasoning is they say the declining population in new hams under the age of 30. A decline in the number of new licensees who actually get on the air. Now, that That's probably true. Uh, yeah. no, I know some new ones that barely get on the air. Uh, amateur radio's lack of appeal to those under the age of 30 compared to other technical hobbies. The increasing challenge of engaging and retaining technician licensees and a reluctance in much of the amateur community to embrace newer technologies of interest to the younger segment of the population.
0: Go to the link that we just showed right there. Tell ARRL your thoughts on this. Yeah, we need more young hams, but we need new old hams too. Yeah. Or old new hams. However you want to put it, you know. It, just because you didn't get into it when you were a teenager doesn't mean you can't do it at retirement age. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, it's we never want, too late. We want hams of all ages, but we do need some young people.
1: Mm-hmm. These are interesting points. A lot of them are really good points.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to go check out the survey and yeah. Oh um, uh, yeah, see I'm gonna read up on it some more and see.
1: Uh, I, I'm not sure what uh, privileges are they proposing.
0: Different. They're asking questions about different ones and should they have some HF privileges and should they be limited in power and, and you know a lot of stuff like that.
1: So is this similar to the foundation? Glass. Not exactly.
0: Uh, There's a place at the bottom to put your comments in on there. And I said, you know, y'all should and I don't know that they'll read it. But I said you should take a look at the foundation licenses in Australia and, you know, Britain and, you know, see what they're doing there. That that might be some idea. Do we need another class of license? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. No. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. <laughs> because but. the FCC is not going to want to have to take care of four different classes of amateur licenses, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, some of these are good points. I agree that some, we should do something to be more active, you know, to solve those. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure another class is the answer. But
0: that's no. just my opinion. Uh, I'm thinking they'll meet resistance if they want a whole new class. Maybe they can modify the technician class. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I don't know.
1: I mean, it's already so easy to get the technician class anyway. It is. All you got to do is watch our show for
0: two years and then... You know, I think uh, after this one, you can watch it for three more episodes and you you need to be taking your test. Yeah. Because that's pretty much going to wind up the technician. About three more, huh? About three more after this one. Oh, wow. We're going to have a party after that? Yep. We should have a VE session after that. We should have. I'm not sure. We'll have to check and see if you can do it online. <laughs> In the chat room? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we're going to look over their shoulders. I haven't figured that one out yet. But Anyway, why don't we get on into some questions? Why don't we? Because we got a, we got a lot to do tonight. Okay. So the first one here, well, I'll ask you. Why should the outer jacket of a coaxial cable be resistant to ultraviolet light? A. Ultraviolet resist jackets prevent harmonic radiation.
1: Hmm. B. Ultraviolet light can increase losses in the cable's jacket.
0: C. Ultraviolet and RF signals can mix together, causing interference.
1: Or D. Ultraviolet light can damage the jacket and allow water to enter the cable. Ultraviolet resistant jackets can prevent harmful harmonic radiation. That's that's not really a thing there for that. So, ultraviolet light can increase losses. No, ultraviolet light, ultraviolet and RF signals can mix together. That does that doesn't happen either. So the only logical answer is D. Ultraviolet light can damage the jacket and allow water to enter the cable. And if you think about it, the sun. The sun yeah. basically destroys anything that's rubber and plastic out there for a while. So, yeah. um, and, and we we talked about last month how bad water is to, when it gets in there.
0: Yeah. we You know, that, that should be um, pretty easy to reason out right there. And just related. Uh, oh, by the way, everyone said D over in the chat room. Except Although, for
1: Chet, keeps hollering buzzer, buzzer, buzzer.
0: Yeah. Well... You'll just have to hang around and see, Chet. We've been on a pretty good streak here lately. We have. We probably would have passed the test. Good chance. Yeah. We're talking about plastics and rubber outdoors, how the ultraviolet light can destroy them. If you're using tie wraps outdoors, use the black ones. Don't use the the clear ones or the white ones because Mm -hmm. they don't last any time outdoors.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. As a matter of fact, I only ever buy the black ones.
1: Yeah, me too. But somebody gave me uh, like a big bundle of of the white ones, about that thick. Mm-hmm. They were they were real long, heavy oh, duty long ones, ones. Yeah, and I used those things for a long time, just trying to use them up. And you're right, the sun gets to them, and, yeah. and they'll pop eventually.
0: They yep. get real brittle. That's hey, true. looks yeah. like I was right. You were right, Tommy. Congratulations. Figure. We hadn't done that in a while. We hadn't. -hmm. It was overdue. Well, you got a question for me?
1: I do. I just so happen to have one right here. Um, What electrical differences exist between the smaller RG58 and larger RG8 coaxial cables? A. There's no significant difference between the two types.
0: B. RG58 cable has less loss at a given frequency.
1: C. RG8 cable has less loss at a given frequency
0: rd rg58 cable can handle higher power levels rg8 coaxes the the bigger around rg58 is a smaller coax this should be pretty easy to figure out a there's no significant difference between the two types no you got to figure there is there's got to be some differences oh yeah there wouldn't be two different ones yep uh b rg58 cable has less loss at a given frequency no, it being the smaller cable, I think it's always going to have more loss at most frequencies. C, RG-8 cable has less loss at a given frequency. That That's going to be your answer, Tommy, because uh DRG 58 cable can handle higher power. No, it's a smaller cable. It can't handle higher power. So I'm going to say it's C, Tommy, and I'm in good company because everybody's saying that over in the chat room there. There we go.
1: So, what what gives it that property? The fact that there's more shielding,
0: uh, yeah, and, and a,
1: larger conductor,
0: yeah, yeah. It's just and you know wider uh, dielectric spacing. That's a combination of things, and the frequency uh, or loss at a particular frequency is not the only um, you know favorable characteristic of RG eight. Uh, You know, it being larger, it can handle more power, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But now there is a cable called RG-8X. That's just a little bit bigger than RG-58, but has less loss than 58 and can Mm -hmm. handle more power than 58.
1: And I I use it a good bit on my HF
0: antennas. Yep. But I've got it on uh, one of mine. Mm -hmm. So I've got another one here for you. Which of the following types of feed line has the lowest loss? At VHF and UHF, A, a 50-ohm flexible coax,
1: B, multi-conductor unbalanced cable,
0: C, air insulated hard line,
1: and D, 75-ohm flexible coax. Okay, the lowest loss of VHF and UHF, so let's, we don't usually use 75-ohm coax on that. No. 50-ohm coax we do use um but i don't think that's going to be the answer multi-conductor unbalanced cable would that be ladder line if v- you don't uh, use ladder line on vhf and uhf so it's going to be hmm. c air insulated hard line and actually we talked now that i read that we talked about that last month we did
0: i think it was last month we talked it, about it. it was that there, there's less loss if it's an air dielectric mm-hmm. in the cable, but you've got a whole other set of problems because then you got to keep moisture out. Right. And it's a little yeah, hard, that but, was
1: last month. I remember
0: so I'll agree, and, and everyone else did. It's Let's almost like it. I was here. It, it does seem like you could have been.
1: Yeah. Which of the following instruments can be used to determine if an antenna is resonant at the desired operating frequency?
0: A, A-V-T-V-M, uh do you well? B. An antenna analyzer. C. A Q meter. Or D a frequency counter.
1: And no, I don't know what VTVM stands yeah, that's for. That's what I was going to. Yeah, I knew
0: that. that was coming. Yeah, vacuum tube voltmeter. oh ah. Yeah. You don't hardly see them. That's we,
1: probably a good thing.
0: They were around when I got started in electronics, but they were old. You know, they were they were old back then. So, um, yeah, you probably won't see that too much. Which file instruments can be used to determine if an antenna is resonant at the desired operating frequency? Well, it wouldn't be a vacuum tube voltmeter. That's just the same, more or less, as our uh, ohmmeters that we have, our volt ohmmeters. Uh, B, an antenna analyzer, hmm. like uh, like okay. one of these right here. Yeah, you could you could use that and do it. So that's a possibility. A Q meter. No, that would measure the bandwidth of something. Uh, a frequency counter. That would tell us frequency, but it wouldn't, uh, you know, tell us anything about an antenna being resonant. So mm-hmm. uh, antenna analyzer. I think that's the only choice that makes that's any sense. The only sense one to that me.
1: makes any sense. There you go. You nailed
0: it. There. We have now covered all the questions on coax in the technician pool. Oh, man. What are we going to talk about next month? Um, will be
1: coax? I yeah, guess. I don't know
0: about next month. I can tell you what we're going to talk about the rest of the show, though. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be SWR. Oh, right, cool. That's a good topic. That is, that's a pretty good one and um, the one that you need to understand. Now, we're going to come back in just a minute. We'll, we'll take a quick break here to get things set up for that. But in the meantime, enjoy this message from ICOM, and uh, we'll still be shuffling to get ready when we come back. It's time to put away those winter boots and spring forward with ICOM. Base stations, mobile transceivers, handhelds, and more, ICOM has all the equipment to help make your spring full of adventure. Get out and get mobile with ICOM. Communicate with the touch of your fingertips. Perfect for small spaces, the IC7100 is the ideal D-Star option to help communicate anywhere. Angled control head and touchscreen for quick intuitive operation, large internal speaker for clear digital audio, and it's perfect for multi-band and all-mode communications. Do you have spring travel plans this year? Back for a limited time, the IC7200 is a great option for hams wanting a device to carry out into the field. Simple and tough with IFDSP, digital noise reduction, and USB port for PC control. Ideal for the ham on the go, try the IC7300. It's a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, SD memory card slot and more. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all ICOM radios.
1: Why don't we give away an ICOM ball cap and a nice ICOM ham crew t-shirt?
0: That sounds like an excellent idea. Can you
1: hear me out there?
0: I can hear you. Okay. In here.
1: In here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you could last time. That's anyway, like, it's, uh, a,
1: it's a nice, good shirt. I wish I could win it because I can't find mine any longer. Well, I don't know I, what happened to it.
0: I can tell you how to win one. Well, how anybody but you could win one. Yeah. And that is send us an email, hamcollegeatamateurlogic.tv. <laughs> Just give us your name. Uh, and, you know, you can make it an email message. Say whatever you want to say in there. And we will uh, we'll enter you in the drawing. And we're we'll drawing you winner each month. You don't have to have a call sign. You don't have to be a ham. All you got to have is uh, an email address. Just, just drop us an email. Uh, we've just drawn the one here for this month. It's Joe Greer from, is that Daphne? Daphne,
1: Daphne Alabama.
0: He said, hello, just want to let you know I found you on the Roku box last night. Watched the latest Ham College episode. It was nice watching on a large screen. Thanks, Joe. We're going to talk about SWR, and I tell you what, why don't we start with that little bitty meter over there? Does that this, work? For this you? is,
1: you know what, it works really well for me to be honest with you, <laughs> because this is one the one I have that I actually use pretty frequently.
0: And that if is, we could come from somewhere. That's a Micronda. You got that at It's a at radio, radio Shack sack. special. I got it, like, pretty much the week I got my license. That is a, a dummy antenna. This one is a type-in connector on it. It's, it's a 50-ohm, 25-watt load. It's basically just a 50-ohm resistor in there. I need to use an adapter to make it fit this meter. 25 watts? 25 watts. Looks kind of small for 25 watts. Doesn't it, it? it does. Yeah. Um... Anyway, it it simulates an antenna, and it's how you can test your gear without actually transmitting on the air.
1: So if you move your thumb, you can see that that's actually on the antenna connector
0: marked on the meter. That is where it is. I'm going to fire up my trusty ID51A handy talkie here. We're going to use it as a transmitter here. And we're going to test some SRRs.
1: All right. I suspect it's going to be pretty good with exactly 50 ohms on the end of it. Well, we'll it should
0: be if this is exactly 50 ohms. So let me cut, uh, connect my transmitter to it. And you do need to observe the direction you go, this transmitter side, antenna side. Uh, we've got the range there set to a 15-watt scale. And we've got it the function set. To so
1: set on power—is power.
0: that what we want? Yep. So I'm going to key up the radio here, and we're going to look. You see that scale there that ends with a 15? That's the 15 watt scale. So if I key up, look at that. It says we're right at five Three watts right there. On
1: five, like it's supposed to. Uh,
0: that's what it's supposed to be. So. So how will we check the SWR set now? By
1: simply just flipping the yep. switch over
0: to the SWR function, and I'll push the button. And it hardly moves. Tommy, I don't have much SWR in this radio. Is there a problem? Not to, maybe you could get some more.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> well, that's a good thing. You really don't, really
0: don't want any. No. It, the SWR is a shortening of uh, the VSWR, voltage-standing wave ratio. You don't want any. And you can see it just barely moves on this meter. So that's telling us that dummy load is a good 50-ohm load. Uh, you you really don't want much SWR or reflected power. The lower the better because that's energy that's wasted and is being reflected away from the antenna back toward the radio, and that's so know, that's a problem. So we had
1: basically, I guess that's considered one to one, almost pretty much one to one. Yeah, All right. and that's so about as good, you're right? And okay, so that's good. So what's what is the maximum
0: that's acceptable before you start getting concerned? Um, I think we talk about that in one of the questions here, so I don't okay, want to. So give it let's away do, okay, yet. let's don't go yeah. there then. This is a coaxial dynamic directional RF watt meter, and oh. there's no SWR scale on this. Uh, actually, this one, yeah, we're going to hook a handy talkie to it because this meter is made for uh, VHF and UHF frequencies. Actually, it covers whatever it says right there that I can't read. 25 to uh, megahertz to a gigahertz, is not it? Yeah. So it's got a pretty broad range to it. Okay, this one, it, you notice this slug right here that's in there? And it's got an arrow on it. That, Since it's a directional wattmeter, that arrow is telling us which direction the power is going. So if I turn it this way... It's going to come from my transmitter, and the meter is going to measure the power going that way toward the dummy load or the antenna. Uh, This is like a bird watt meter, you know. People talk about Mm -hmm. bird watt meters a lot. Mm -hmm. I've seen plenty of those. They have slugs in it. Coaxial dynamics makes meters that will use those same exact slugs. Um, But this particular meter here has multiple scales on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the bird meters they might have one that has that i don't recall seeing it but most of these directional watt meters you change out the slugs for different frequency ranges and uh, different power levels but you know i needed one that that would uh really i didn't even need 1500 watts on it i was going to measure lower power stuff so this one just was a good alternative for Mm -hmm. me and it gave me, you know, one slug. That's pretty broad. Lot. Pretty broad range. That is there. pretty broad. So I've got it down to the 15-watt scale here. Let's key up and see what we got there. Okay, this one it doesn't come up to 5 watts on this meter, does it?
1: Which scale do you say you have it on?
0: Well, it's on the 15-watt scale, so it's the bottom okay. one there.
1: Yeah, it's not reading
0: but a little over 4. Well right up. so uh yeah it's not not quite to four and a half because that's 2.5 the next mark would be three point five, four. four so 4.5 so it's probably like 4.4 watts all right well you know that's the difference some watt meters are going to read a little differently than others this one here costs several hundred dollars so i would trust it more than i'm going to trust the
1: yeah, but you can talk a lot farther with this second. one.
0: Well, you can talk a half a watt further. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure that's a lot. It's a half a watt. Okay, so that there's no SWR scale on here. Yeah. So what we can check, though, is reflected power. What we do is we turn the slug here so the arrow's going the other way, and then it's measuring the power being reflected from the dummy load or the oh. antenna back toward the radio, and I so we're up. probably
1: not going to see a lot. You know, I'm not seeing any. Well, you shouldn't. You want me? If I pull this off, you should see a lot.
0: Yeah, but we don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> not with my radio. Um. So yeah, it's so low that it's not even showing up there. It, that that's a really good dummy load. That's not it. A, uh, a Radio Shock dummy load. But um, so that's a good thing. If we had an antenna on here, we might see a little bit of reflected power there. Basically, if you know the forward power and the reflected power on a directional watt meter, not an SWR meter, you can calculate the SWR by taking one plus the square root of the reflected power divided by the forward power over one minus the square root of the reflected power over the forward power so now we've put an hf radio on here what frequency are we on with that hf radio? 50 megahertz 50 megahertz okay well let's see what it says here oh it's more than 50 watts I'll put it on the 150-watt scale. And we got scale. a
1: 25-watt dummy load.
0: Well, you're not going to key it up long. Okay, there you go. So it came up to right here. This is a 150-watt scale, and you're right. You, you know, you probably shouldn't key up on a 25-watt dummy load, but uh, it's not going to matter for just a brief moment. 150-watt scale is that one. Will you hit us there one more time? All right, that's 75 watts. Let's see if there's any reflected power that can be measured here. Nope. Nope. That's a directional RF watt meter. And here's another watt meter right here. You're not hooking that up to my radio. What's huh. That's a CB right. It, <laughs> <laughs> you picked up on that, eh? Yeah, I did. This is my first watt meter back from... The CB days of the 70s. This is a pace watt meter. And there could be some folks over there in the chat room that had some of these. Uh, this one's got a, You know
1: what? Actually, I think I may have had one of those a long time ago. You probably did.
0: So, to measure forward power on here, and, and that's a little deceiving the way it's labeled. But to measure power, flip it to power. If you're 10 watts or less, put this switch up. If you're more than 10 watts but and less than 100, flip that switch down. To measure SWR, what you do is you get on whichever is the proper scale for the amount of power you're running. Have it on power. Adjust this set level knob here to where the needle goes right there where it says set. Then you flip this to SWR and you can read it right there and it'll tell you what the swr is and what frequency range does that one work with uh, this one works for 28 megahertz so it actually you know cover more than that it's made for uh long well, you stay right around in uh, the area yeah, 27 28 we got one we'll other kind of watt meter to show you we do on uh, this is an mfj true peak reading SWR watt meter we don't care about the true peak reading here for our demonstration purposes I'm just gonna let's see put it on average I'm gonna put it on the 300 watt scale what we're really wanting to look at is what's on the scales here we're gonna keep an HF rig with 100 watts of power you can see the forward pointer there comes to just about 99 almost 100 The reflected pointer comes up to just a hair over one watt. You can see where those two pointers cross. The red line is right between the 1.1 line and the 1.3. So that means 1.2 to 1 of SWR. Why don't we look at this uh, antenna analyzer? This is another one. That's actually my favorite of all of them. Antenna analyzer is a, a nice thing to have. Not everybody's got one. It's not a requirement, but it, it's but it is requirement. really handy. It's nice. It wouldn't be the first thing I bought as a hammerhead oh, no. oh, accessory. No. This this um, actually was. I would get one though if you can. You know. Yeah, the the watt meter is.
1: Yeah, you know this Radio Shack's gone, but MFJ's got one that's almost identical to that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty handy.
0: All right, so the antenna analyzer. What it allows us to do is. Choose a frequency, and let's say...
1: Which one is this? Is this a 259C?
0: This is MFJ259C. Oh, hmm. Let's put it on... Uh, well, it's on 59 megahertz. Let's go down a little from that. It, it really doesn't matter. We're just uh, doing a little demonstration here. That's r- around 20 megahertz, a little over 20 megahertz, which is not a ham frequency. But uh, we can see several things here it's showing us the swr on this side if you'll zoom in a little bit there a little less than 1.2 yeah
1: you can also see over here that it's not exactly 50
0: ohms right it's saying it's not exactly 50 ohms. and and that's
1: why we've got a little
0: swr we got a little if you look up here at the top on the display you can see that it's saying the resistance is 52, 53 ohms. The reactance, the X there, is a 5. So it's a little capacitive or a little inductive. The SWR is a 1.1. Remember those numbers, 52 ohms and around 4 or 5 ohms of reactants? Remember the dummy load I said was not a, a uh, radio shock dummy load? Mm-hmm. The decibel products one here. Let's just look at it and see if it's any better.
1: Yeah, judging from what we saw earlier, it, it I think it, it probably is. I'm just guessing.
0: Well, there well, we that's go. Right on it. the yeah, it's almost uh well, it'd be a, a 1.1 1. 1 to 1. I mean, it barely moves the SWR meter.
1: Well, well we got exactly 50 ohms.
0: I mean, you yep. don't get any better than that. The the meter shows about 50. It's showing exactly 50 up here. Zero reactants. Uh, this one is perfect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that is that is a good dummy load. Now, you know, I'm not going to say that as a ham you should buy one of these because it's a good dummy load. It's a good dummy load if you need 25 watts. But, you know, you're probably going to want something a little bigger than that.
1: When you check your SWR, you really don't want to test it on high power anyway at first. You definitely want to start out on lower power. No, you want to check it on, on lower, lower power. power.
0: And, you know, we're checking dummy loads here, but normally you're going to be checking your antennas.
1: Right. So, so test it on low power.
0: And, yeah. And if that's okay, you can raise it up if you want mm-hmm. to. But... Um, but yeah. you're
1: going to have a stand a lot less chance of causing a problem with your radio just testing on low. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you a question then. Okay. What, in general terms, is standing wave ratio, SWR? A, a measure of how well a load is matched to a transmission line. B,
1: the ratio of high to low impedance in a feed line.
0: C, the transmitter efficiency ratio.
1: Or D, An indication of the quality of your station's ground connection. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and scratch D off the list. And it's really nothing to do with your transmitter's efficiency. We're testing the antenna and the feed line. Okay.
0: So strike and C. Strike
1: and C. And ratio of high to low impedance in the feed line. I'm saying No. Measure of how well a load is matched to a transmission line. That's going to be the answer A, and we just demonstrated that. That would be the load. That would be the feed line. Yep. Well, if you could see it behind the,
0: that would be the load, the dummy load. Yep. Okay, I I think you're right, Tommy. There you go. Another one right. Go figure. Everyone got that. They they said A. You know, there's one other interesting thing. I knew there was something else I wanted to show. And since you won't let me do it with your radio, I'm going to do it with the antenna analyzer here. And I've got a BNC-T adapter here. Yeah. And I've got two BNC 50-ohm terminators. I remember those. These are BNC connectors. Yep. You do. 10 base T. Yep. From the old no. coax network days. Yep. So these are 50 ohms each. Well, you know, that's a dummy load. So I'm just going to put one here on the antenna analyzer. And we're just going to check it. 51 ohms, zero reactants. Good, you know, good match there. A 1.0 SWR? On this one, yep. Let's put this other one Tommy just grabbed. Wow. Another bad one. Another bad How one. How can that be? Not tight. Okay. 53 ohms. So not as good as the first one. Zero reactants. Still you know the SWR is okay on it, so. Um okay load. Yeah. Alright, let's let's put two of these on here. That should cut it down to about 25 ohms, shouldn't it? And it did. Mm-hmm. Look at what happened with the SWR. 1.9, almost 2 to 1. If we look at the uh, meter scale there, Let's you can see. see it's right around so half, 2 to
1: 1. So half of the resistance.
0: Yeah. We cut the resistance. Double uh, the just, SWR. Yeah, it, it went to sleep there. Um Yeah. So we can see that changing the uh, the resistance there is having an effect. Well, it's an interesting little we'll experiment. Yeah. Just something I wanted to mention is, you know, to actually see it in action, that there is some mm-hmm. some reference there. And by cutting the resistance in half there, what we did is...
1: You couldn't resist showing that, could
0: you? I couldn't resist it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
1: Sorry, I couldn't resist that either.
0: You got a question for me?
1: Where should an inline SWR meter be connected to monitor the standing wave ratio of the station antenna system? A. In series with the feed line between the transmitter and antenna.
0: B. In series with the station's ground.
1: C. In parallel with the push to talk line and the antenna.
0: D in series with the power supply cable as close as possible to the radio. Well, I think we just kind of talked about that when we showed how you connected that meter mm-hmm. here. It needs to be, um, well, it's, it's nothing to do with the power supply cable, so rule out D. It's nothing to do with the push to talk line, so rule out C. You wouldn't put it in series with the station ground. So that only leaves A in series with the feed line between the transmitter and the antenna. And everyone got that over in the chat room there. So let's see if we got it right. We did. Right. Okay, these SDR questions. You don't want to
1: hook the push-to-talk up to the power supply cable close to the radio?
0: No, not my meter. We can try it with yours. Okay, why is it important to have a low SWR in an antenna system that uses coaxial cable feed line? A, to reduce television interference.
1: B, to allow efficient transfer of power and reduce losses.
0: C, to prolong antenna life. Or D, all of these choices are correct. What do you think? Well... I don't
1: think all these choices are correct because it's not going to prolong your antenna life. No. So that scratches off D and C. To allow the efficient transfer of power and reduce losses, I think that's going to be the answer. Reduce. I don't think it's going to reduce television interference either. So it's got to be B. To allow the efficient transfer of power and reduce losses.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, they all said B over in the chat room. There was a D in there. So um, yeah, I, I, I said
1: all the, I, I covered that one though.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, somebody guessed D, but I I don't think it's D. It's B.
1: Yeah. So I mean, uh, well, efficient transfer of power. So the l- more, less SWR you got, the more that's going to go out your antenna.
0: Right. Yeah. You don't want to lose it all in uh, your coax. Uh, being reflected back down it and into your radio. Do you want it all going in the antenna? Yeah. Okay, Tommy, that sounds good to me. We've got more to go on SWR here, but I think we need to take a little intermission here. Yeah, we need to take uh, a break. <laughs> yeah, let everybody recoup a little bit. We'll be right back. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stufflebeam KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org, powered by ICOM, for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam.
2: IPANA presents... Bucky
3: Beaver Space Guard! brush up brush a brush Here's the new iPanna, with the brand new flavor. It's standing for your teeth. It's decay germ, and he's headed this way. <laughs> I'm going to make cavities in everybody's teeth.
2: Now, beaver, I'm going to blast holes in your teeth. iPanna!
3: Ipana knocks out decay germs best of all eating brands, including fluoride toothpaste. Brush a brush a brush. Here's the new Ipana with the brand new flavor. Knocks out D.K. germs best. Fresh, clean, and minty. You'll like it. New Ipana toothpaste.
2: Hot diggity dog. Armor Franks. Ahoy there, mateys. Here's a new hot dog diggity party kid. This time, a pirate party. As host, you get a real pirate hat and eye patch. And there's a treasure map and ring for you and every member of your crew. Follow the map to discover your own Armor Star Frank and a nifty pirate ring. Then everybody gather round and dig into those sizzly, juicy Armor Star Franks. Hot dog diggity, are they good? Armor Star Franks. Be the first to give a real pirate party. Send in this backboard plus 50 cents. This party book inside each package of Armor Franks has loads of party ideas and tells you just how to send for your pirate party kit. Hat, eye patch, eight maps, and eight rings. Ask Mom to get some Armor Star Franks tomorrow. She's got a man she's promised to love, honor, and Keep
3: house for the right way. Does
2: that mean I never have to help with the dishes?
3: Never! Belle does my dishes. Look, Belle makes dishes shine without washing or wiping. The bit of food clings, a touch of my dishcloth licks it off. Belle does this? Yes, Bell. And here's what makes it really marvelous. There's no detergent burn to hands with Belle. I'll show you. First, wet your hands. I'll put some Vel in this hand and some of my wash day detergent in this.
2: Say, do I feel heat in this hand with your wash day stuff?
3: You do. The heat indicates irritating alkalis and harsh chemicals are present. They can cause detergent burn.
2: Don't feel a thing with Bell.
3: Because there are no irritating alkalis in Bell, there's no detergent burn to hands with Bell. Use Bell for dishes. It's marvelous.
0: I got to tell you one there wasn't an Easter egg in there.
1: Yeah, I but was there, looking for
0: it. There was a hot dog buried outside and hidden. I mean, you know, can you imagine if you did that today, what the parents would say? You know.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Those those commercials are always kind of a trip. I always enjoy watching them.
0: Yeah. I had never heard of that iPad of toothpaste before. No, I hadn't either.
1: I I, Bucky Beaver, I've heard of. Yeah. I don't know where.
0: Probably an iPad of
1: toothpaste commercial.
0: what reading on an SWR meter indicates a perfect impedance match between the antenna and the feed line? Remember, we talked. Actually, we just about looked this? at it.
1: Mm-hmm. We just looked at it just about five minutes ago.
0: A. A 2 to 1. B. 1 to 3. C. A 1 to
1: 1. Or D. 10 to 1. If you got 10 to 1, you got serious problems. C. I'm just gonna go ahead and say because we just covered it like mm-hmm. literally five minutes ago. It's one to one. Yeah. Um when we had the fifty ohm mm-hmm. dummy load, we saw that the that it was one to one SWR mm-hmm. on the on the antenna analyzer just a few moments ago. So one to three is not right and two to one is not
0: right. No.
1: See one is to one fi- my final answer.
0: All right, you sticking to it? I'm sticking to it. Well, you're in good company. Everybody got it right over in the chat room as well. One to one. One to one. Go figure. All right, next question. I think this one's got numbers in it too.
1: What is the approximate SWR value above which the protection circuits in most solid-state transmitters begin to reduce transmitter power? A, 2 to
0: 1. B, 1 to 2. C, 6 to 1. Or D, 10 to 1. Well... Hmm.
1: This this is similar to what I asked earlier.
0: That's that's why I didn't answer it earlier. Yeah, yeah. I
1: and mean, I see I only see one that
0: really makes any sense to me right there. Yeah. Um, uh, Ten to one. Th- that's that's really really bad. A Six to one is is really bad. A one to two. I don't think you would ever see. So, two to one, you could operate with that high SWR, you wouldn't want to. So, I'm going to say that's, that's where the solid state receivers are going to start folding back power. I think that's right. Uh, that's what most people are saying in the chat room. And, we're correct.
1: Got it. Nailed it. Here, you want one of these? Yeah, give me
0: one of those. What does an SWR reading of 4 to 1 indicate? A loss of -4 dB? B,
1: good impedance match?
0: C, a gain of 4 dB?
1: Or D, impedance
0: mismatch?
1: And we never we didn't do anything about measuring loss. And that's not a good impedance match. And I think the answer is going to be simply D that it's a mismatch.
0: Uh, We all agree with you, Tommy. It is D, an impedance mismatch. Okay. Next one. What might cause
1: erratic changes in SWR readings? We just saw that. A, the transmitter is being modulated. B, a
0: loose connection and an antenna or a feed line. C, the transmitter is being overmodulated. Our D interference from other stations is distorting your signal? What might cause erratic changes in SWR readings? We did just see that. We did just line. see it. Yeah, we did. And what caused it was a bad it was connection. A loose connection. Yep. It's not interference from other stations. It's not uh, due to overmodulation. Uh, loose connection and an antenna or a feed line. That's your answer right there.
1: Yeah, and it, that's almost like that was scripted, but it wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. just kind of happened. Yep. We get lucky every now and then. Sometimes again. these little snafus are just like a
0: gift and you don't even know it.
1: <laughs> it sure <laughs>
0: didn't seem like it at the time. No, did it didn't. It? Okay. Well, I got one for you. Okay. What happens to power lost in the feed line? A, it increases the SWR.
1: You must be psychic because that wasn't even up there. You were... yeah. B, it comes back into your transmitter and could cause damage.
0: C, it's converted into heat.
1: Or D, it can cause distortion of your signal. This is kind of a tricky one. There's a power lost in the feed line. The power that's lost in the feed line, not the one that comes back into your radio. It's lost in the feed line, so... If you've got, I'm, I'm reading this as if you're using a long run of 58 where you should be using some better coax, then mm-hmm. you have loss, not not high SWR.
0: I, not, I am hearing the buzzer big time. Are you? Yep. Go ahead, though. I'll tell you why I'm hearing it in a minute. A, it increases the SWR. That's,
1: that's not going to be the case just because of. Uh, feed line loss comes back into your transmitter then the, that's what SWR is so I don't think it's going to be, be and it's not going to cause distortion of your signal because it's lost through the feed line I think it's going to be converted into heat just like we felt on the
0: dummy load and you know what you are correct Oh. And the reason I said I heard a buzzer going off why? is because I looked at the chat room and almost everybody in there said it comes back into your transmitter and could cause damage. Oh, we stumped the chat room. Well, I don't know that we've ever done that. Oh, wow! Not to this extent. We've had one or two get it wrong, but um, that was that's why I said it was a trick question. I had question to think there. that one through pretty good though. Yeah, you did because. Uh...
1: If you don't read that question right, you'll read it. You could easily mistake that as SWR.
0: Yep. But it's power lost in the felines, attenuation, not reflection. So what happens to that power? Well, it's it, it'll heat up your coax.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yep. It's not being reflected back. So <laughs> that's...
1: Marty said, bosom.
0: Yep. Think we can do that again? Do what again? Trip up the chat room.
1: Uh, that's pretty tough to do. I'm I'm surprised it happened that yeah. time.
0: Uh and you know, everybody studying for your exam here, think about that last question pretty hard there because we we just stumped a, a bunch of sharp people with that one. So that's a very likely one that someone could miss. P- pretty easy.
1: What instrument other than an SWR meter could you use to determine if a feed line? And antenna are properly matched. A, a voltmeter.
0: B, an ohmmeter.
1: C, an iambic potentiometer? No, a pentameter?
0: Or D, a directional wattmeter. Ah. Well, let's see. We just looked at SWR here, and we didn't use a voltmeter or an ohmmeter. And we didn't have an ambionic pentameter. Whatever pen, that is, pen, pentanometer. We can't even say it, but we didn't have one. Pentanometer. Yep, but we did have a directional wattmeter, and it worked. And it worked. And I'm going to say that's the one that you could use. A good,
1: a good chance that's uh, your answer.
0: It's not an SWR meter, although it serves the same function. A- as we mentioned, you can convert that those readings into SWR. Easy enough. So, uh, yeah, directional wattmeter. We didn't stump them that time. They they got this from Tommy.
1: Yep. Probably be a long time before we stump them like that. I think it will
0: be. I think that's the first time it's ever Mm -hmm. really happened. What is the primary purpose of a dummy load? A, to prevent the radiation of signals when making tests.
1: B, to prevent over-modulation of your transmitter.
0: C, to improve the radiation from your antenna.
1: Or D, to improve the signal-to-noise ratio of your receiver. So I'm going to go ahead and start at the bottom again. It's not going to improve the signal-to-noise ratio. We just we just demonstrated several of them. Mm-hmm. To improve the radiation from your antenna? Well, it's not. This would be a substitute for an antenna. Yep. And renewable modulation, that's not it. It's a substitute of an antenna to test your... Radio, uh, so I'm going with A to prevent the radiation of signals when making tests.
0: I'll have to agree with you. I, I think we even said something like that. You know, when we—that's
1: where I got it from.
0: From go. us. From us.
1: <laughs> it could happen. What does a dummy load consist of? A a high gain amplifier and a TR switch.
0: Only if it's a really bad amplifier and TR switch, I'm thinking. <laughs> Uh, B, a non-inductive resistor and a heat sink. C, a low-voltage power supply and a DC relay. Or D, a fifty-ohm reactance used to terminate a transmission line. Well, we kind of covered this too. Um, a dummy load, as I said, is—it's uh, a fifty-ohm resistor that's, you know, that's in here. And it's purely resistive. There's no inductance to it. Remember, we looked at the X on there. Uh, there's no capacitance. So there's no rea- reaction or reactance in it. It's purely resistive. If it's a good one, mm-hmm. there could be a little reactance. You know, it's, most of them aren't perfect. So um, it's not a high-gain amplifier. It's not a low-voltage power supply. It's not a 50-ohm reactance It's resistance. B, a non-inductive resistor and a heat sink to dissipate some of that heat. Now, you might see some that are nothing but a resistor and no heat sink. Couldn't put much power into them, though, but most of them, resistor and a heat sink. And that's what this is here. If you opened it up, there's a big resistor up inside there. Just
1: one big one, or you think there's There's a bunch of of them in
0: there? Really? I opened it up and looked okay yeah one big resistor in there so let's see a non-inductive resistor and a heat sink everybody got that one and i think we've got one final question tonight tommy okay what does an antenna tuner do a it matches the antenna system impedance to the transceiver's output impedance
1: b it helps a receiver automatically tune in weak stations
0: C, it allows an antenna to be used on both transmit and receive.
1: Or D, it automatically selects the proper antenna for the frequency band being used. Hmm. Okay, think? it's not D. It doesn't sw- change antennas. It's a tuner.
0: But let me just it's say... not an
1: antenna switch.
0: Yeah, there are some newer antenna tuners. That will switch antennas depending on the frequency, but that's oh, okay. That there's I only a few, this. and that's not what it's you know. That's not really what okay. it's for.
1: See, it allows an antenna to be used on both transmit and receive. Well, it does. Typically, that in, that typically happens anyway. Um yeah,
0: Without a tuner,
1: unless you have a duplexer and some weird stuff set up. B. It helps the receiver automatically tune in weak stations. Yeah. E, well, that might be a symptom, uh, a symptom of it or being. An effect, f- yeah, t- yeah, uh, yeah, an effect of it. I don't think that's the answer. The answer is going to be A. It matches the antenna system impedance to the transceiver's output impedance. So yeah. it makes, so it makes, whatever is on the other side of the tuner appear to be. Close to fifty ohms. Yeah. But even though
0: it's not, I'll agree with you. There you go. Matches the antenna system impedance to the transceiver's output impedance.
1: And it's funny that that's on the technician test because you don't really typically see those a lot in UHF VHF type uh, yeah, I don't stuff know where most you,
0: of privileges are. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't recall ever seeing them. Yeah, The VH Not to say that you couldn't make one, but
1: but, but they do have uh, fifty. Maybe it hurts, so maybe it's in there for that. But it seems yeah. weird that it's included in the technician pool.
0: Well, you, you actually have 10-meter privileges, uh, some a limited loop, yeah. ones, you know, <laughs> with the technician exam. But one thing, uh, and I, I really I, I don't know if I should mention it, just not to confuse you, you do need to uh, probably use an antenna if you're, or an antenna tuner, if your antenna is not, you know, a good 50-ohm load to your transceiver. But if you put an antenna tuner right after your radio and then you got the coax that goes out to your antenna, that's what most of us do. And you can make that radio think that it's seeing a 50-ohm antenna and it's happy. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that 50-ohm coax is no longer operating at 50-ohms because on the antenna side, it's whatever you know impedance it was to start with mm-hmm. and on the tuner side it has tried to compensate for that and and match that through the line to the antenna so or, or to the radio so that coax is not really being utilized at its 50 ohm impedance it's still 50 ohms but the, on either end of it, you don't have 50 ohms. Mm-hmm. So there can be some loss in there. Oh. It's better, and, and not hardly anybody does this in amateur radio, if the tuner is right at the base of the antenna. So you got the coax from the radio, you maintain 50 ohms all the way to that tuner, and then the tuner just matches the antenna mm-hmm. to make it appear as 50 ohms. So that coax is operating with a, a 50 ohm source and load on it.
1: Yeah, they should. I've seen some people yeah. doing that. I think uh, there,
0: there are some that you can get some antenna tuners that are, are remote antenna tuners, and that's mm-hmm. that's why they would be preferred. But you know, like I say, most hams aren't using those. Uh, uh, broadcast station is definitely that way. The the tuning is always at the base of the antenna, yeah. line, not um, you know, right. not next to the transmitter. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yep. Bit of information there. Okay, Tommy, let's, uh, what do you say we just take a quick break, come back, uh, take a couple of quick uh, comments or questions out of the chat room, and call it a night. Okay. On the 15th of each month, ICOM is proud to sponsor AmateurLogic.tv with hosts George Thomas, Tommy Martin, and Peter Barrett. This looks a little crude, but. Roughly, here's what I have. The bottom trace here is ground.
1: While the elements will jiggle some, they're actually not too bad. It's light.
0: After putting it together, I decided to test everything, so I ran in 12 volts and I'm measuring the output here. No, it's not too windy right now,
2: Jim. It was yesterday.
0: Actually, turn that into a scanner capable of tuning across a wide range of frequencies. Whoa, okay. What is this called? We're in the antenna switching matrix. Any one of our six broadcast transmitters could be connected to any of the 22 antennas via the switching matrix. Down in Melbourne, apparently, they, they tune up their radios <laughs> different than we do, Tommy. Oh, yeah? Now, the FM 900 is tough. Seriously tough. Ah! Ah! We finally arrived.
1: Man, we're in ham nirvana.
0: Again. Boy, what what a great time. and. And as happened last year, we still haven't got all the way through the flea market yet.
1: No, we've been hit about a fourth of it, but we're going to have to strike a trot. Well, the moment of
0: truth has arrived. I've attached a BNC connector to the antenna terminals here. I've got plus 12 volt ground uh, power coming in here. It's going to my uh, power supply, and I'm supplying it with 13.8 volts. And I personally am so thrilled that... George got the special award. Well deserved, my friend. That's really cool. Yeah, what about the Super Bowl, Emil? Did you go to the Super Bowl or were you at home uh, operating that night?
2: Tuning in my amplifier and oh, I lost power in the shack and uh, went outside. The house <laughs> lost power. The whole neighborhood went out for about 30 minutes. I, I don't know what happened. Oh, huh. That
0: explains a lot. All right, Tommy, sing the theme song here. Get you every time. Every time. <laughs> okay. Well, we got a few questions in the chat room there. Uh, what was that first one you saw there, Tommy?
1: I saw one here from uh, KM4KMU. Is an antenna tuner generated match as efficient as a natural match with a properly tuned antenna? No. What do you say? I agree. It's very... Yeah, it's not, no, it's not nearly as good.
0: And that's kind of sort of what we just said about, uh, you know, you're you're tricking the radio, but you're not tricking the transmission line.
1: Anytime that you got the antenna that's resonant, then yeah, that, that's about as good as you're going to be able to that's get. That's as right good as there.
0: you're going to be able to get. Now, you know, sometimes you'll need to do some matching at the antenna. If you're cutting a dipole or something like that, you can, you can match it up where it needs no tuning, but Mm. if you're um, working with certain other antennas, there's matching components made into that antenna Mm. to match it to 50 ohms. particularly, um, well, uh, some vertical antennas that operate on multiple bands. You know, there's got to be something to uh, kind of do the matching there. But, yeah, a resonant antenna is always going to be the champ. Okay, I saw another one here. Is that Wayne with the torch? No, that wasn't Wayne with the torch.
1: Oh, long time ago. That was Jimmy.
0: That was Jimmy. Chet, you need to go back and watch some of the earlier episodes of Amateur Logic when our friend Jim was uh, with us on a regular basis. We got a lot of mileage out of that torch.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I still do.
0: Yeah. Uh, Question for Professor Thomas. Don, WB3BJU, would like to know if metalized film resistors are suitable for use in dummy loads. So Mike asked that, E 3 mic You know, that's a good question, Mike. I would think probably not, but I, I don't know for sure on that. You'd have to measure one and see if it's uh, inductive. I don't think it'd be capacitive, but um, yeah, don't. Don't know the answer to that one. Good question. Beads or loops for chokes? Brian K E Zero H Z X. What do you think, Tommy? Um, I think the beads are probably
1: better. You think? Mhm. I don't. I. I really don't know for
0: sure, but I think they probably are. I don't know. Although I use. Uh, I use both. I think that's probably going to be on a case by case basis. Um That that is a good question there. Boy, they stumped us. Not that it's impossible. Chad, how about a 4-hour marathon show? We've d- pretty much done that before. So we wouldn't want to.
1: If we don't you know, go, if we don't leave pretty soon, we're going to do that. Yeah. We're almost up to two hours.
0: Yep. Uh, Sean W0FW says, this was my first live experience. First time in the chat room, it was a blast. Look forward to doing it again. Great job, guys. Well, I wish we free. didn't scare them off. There you go. Sean, glad you could be with us tonight. You can see they have a, a big time in there. Apparently, people don't scare off easily. Yep. And we've been... Uh, what, recording A hour and 49 minutes now? Wow, it's 10 p.m. Yeah. It's so supper there's, time. there's a lot of stuff in there you're not going to see in the edited version. And with good reason, but... Yeah. You know, we we have to cut them down.
1: Yeah, Mike says he thinks the beads are more effective than just uh, ugly ballon made from coils. I don't seem, it just seems like it should be. I, I don't really have well, any, anything see, to prove it with.
0: I don't know. Um... I mean, I don't see ferrite cores used in um, transmitters where you need a choke or an inductor. It's always a coil. But I think the chokes are. Could you are get the, one that big? I suppose you could make one, but I think the chokes are used more where you you want something small. But I'm not. I can't say that it's you know not as good or better. I I don't know the answer for that. I just know that I don't see them in, in high-power stuff.
1: Oh. Well, you say? Let's put this one in the can and go get some supper.
0: Let's see if there were any other questions before we go. Yeah, Don had one, WB3 BJU. Oh,
1: I missed that one.
0: The thick film 50-ohm dummy loads, can they be immersed for more power dissipation? I would think so. Uh, um, oil immersed? Yeah, I, I think they probably could be. You'd have to test the particular resistor to make sure the oil didn't um, you know, damage it somehow. Um, but I, I think you'd probably be okay there.
1: You know, I, I've been uh, having on my list of things to do is to make an oil uh, submersed dummy load on Amateur Logic. Mm-hmm. I just need to order this stuff to do it.
0: I had one here. Remember when we uh did you a make a commercial? It? No. It came from MFJ. It was a gallon can with Oh yeah. System. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going I was going to try to build one. Yeah. You can build one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since you don't have one, that sounds like a good it probably wouldn't hurt anything, huh? Probably wouldn't hurt a thing. Do ferrite beads really <clears throat> work? Chad is asking. Um yeah, sometimes, sometimes I not. Mixed, I have mixed results. Yeah, I have mixed results too, but yeah, they can they can work. Don says that he's gonna test with a five dollar resistor. That's a good idea, Don. Let us know how you come out with that. That I would like to know. <laughs> All right, well I guess that's gonna wrap it up for tonight and uh it is supper time in the south here. It it's, is. It's past it. It's actually bedtime. Yeah. Well, not quite for me, but maybe for you.
1: No. I usually start trying about 11, but I don't usually go to sleep until way after that.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks for being with us tonight. Um, fun times. Arnie says, thanks for the show tonight. It was not boring. You know, you were saying earlier, Arnie really likes the bloopers.
1: Yeah, I know. I just can't understand that. Yeah. But he, apparently that's his favorite part. I think so. That's not the first time he's mentioned them.
0: <laughs> All right. 3 y'all. Yeah, 73, um, everybody. Join us around the end of the month. We'll be doing a, a live recording there of Amateur Logic.
1: Yeah. Peter and Emil will be joining us. Yep. What could
0: go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> 73. 73. Okay, Tommy, I'm going to push this button over here, and as usual, we're going to see what happens.
1: Okay. Now I hear noise in audio. Ah, uh, crap. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was something I was missing.
0: You want to... uh Oh, it's not plugged in, is it? That's what's nope. going on. Well, that would do it. Yeah, Chet, you can Here expect a lot of that tonight. Oh. Don't don't use all your uh, laughing up just yet. Save some to kind of evenly disperse. Yeah, the night's the show. still young. Yeah. All right, I'm going to hit this button, and we'll see what happens this time. I liked it better the well, other way. This is, yeah. I'm going to hit it one more time. Third's the charm. This is Ham College, episode 26. Come join us in there. We've got a, a big group of folks having way too much fun. Um, yeah. I don't know much else I can say about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, come join them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, ultraviolet light, damaging stuff. If you use tie wraps outside, and uh, I've got a phone call, you might want to get that. Could be somebody. Nah, it's nobody. This girl, look, I got ten watts there, just in my fingertips, just from thinking about it. Yep. It's not a good idea to rub your finger <laughs> on a meter and then try to take a measurement, static electricity.